little bit about Job uh, and authority. Um, I already have a teaching on authority. Um, you guys ought to look it up, okay? Um, and that's kind of what I was just explaining a little bit just now. We're going to be over here in Job chapter 1, and we're just going to go through the book of Job. And we're going to explain a few things, and uh, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how long it's going to be, but praise God. Okay, so we're going to be over here in Job. Um, Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. His, uh, he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He was the greatest of all the people of the East. A lot of people compare him to like, you know, the Bill Gates of Bill Gates of his days, you know. Um, his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one of it uh, on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So he was fearful. Job had a little bit of fear. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the, the Lord. And Satan also came among them. So it says the sons of God presented themselves to the Lord. And Satan was among them. The word Satan means accuser. Okay? The word Satan means accuser. The sons of God are understood as the angels or the heavenly beings, or the hosts of heaven. Uh, there's a lot of mystery behind the angels. There's a lot of mystery behind heavenly beings. So the best thing to say is that they're heavenly beings. That's really the best way for me to say it. They call them angels. The word angel in Greek is angelos, and it means messenger. That's what that word means. All right. <clears throat> Satan also came among them. Okay, so in uh, if you go down your footnotes, the word Satan actually, it says the Hebrew word for Satan means accuser or the adversary. Okay. And according to Jewish tradition, I'll just say it like that, there's, there's not just one Satan. There's Satans, okay? There's several, okay? Just like there's several antichrists. The book of John, the, the letters of John say that there's many antichrists. There's not just one. So, um, we have to understand that, okay? So, Satan came. Verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro there. Now, first of all, 
We have to understand, it's very important to understand, when you read scripture, you have to know context. So the number one context is God is omniscient. Which means that he knows all. There isn't a secret that he does not know. So when he asks Satan, where did you come from? He does not ask him a question he didn't know the answer to already. Where did you come from? So where do you come from? Satan says, what does he say? Uh, from going to and fro on the earth. Going to and fro on the earth. A lot of people think that the devil's in hell. Um, well, according to this, he's going to and fro. Satan is. Satan. Let's be clear. Satan. Okay? Satan is going to and fro on the earth, okay? And God knew this already. He didn't ask the question, and it, where, where do you come from? He knows he's, he's on the earth. But he also didn't just know he was on the earth. He knows specifically exactly where he was right before this meeting, okay? That's why the next question was going deeper. God, God doesn't... When God starts asking you questions, it's for self-revelation. It's not for his own revelation. It's for your benefit. That's why even when God was asking Adam, Adam, where are you? Just like he had asked Satan, where did where, you come from? Where? This important question, where? Where? If you don't know where you are, listen, I remember when I was a kid, my parents would give me boundaries. And there was an inner knowing. If I ever went across those boundaries... I got the sickest feeling in my stomach and I knew I was in a wrong place. There's boundaries. When you ask the question where, this infers that there's a boundary. Where are you? There's a boundary. You've crossed. If you have this question happening in your heart, you know you've crossed a boundary. Where am I? What have I done? You know that you've crossed a boundary. You know, if the devil was doing God's perfect will, why would he have to go to hell for it? The scripture says that God created hell for the devil and his angels. I'm convinced that God is a great orchestrator. But I am not convinced that God is on the same team as the devil. I am convinced that God is able to use the devil to his advantage. But I'm not convinced that they are on the same team. I'm not convinced that... that make sense? I believe God's smarter than the devil. And he takes the devil's desires... And he manipulates, he's able to manipulate, well, we think the devil's manipulative? God's much more conniving than the devil. And he's able to, he's got wisdom that is uncomparable. So he's able to use what the devil meant for evil, for good. Does that make sense? It's not, the devil, it's not God's idea. In fact, what he's about to ask the devil, God did not implant this idea. 
he said, where, where, where have you go come from? Going, from? going from to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on the earth. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That's just like whenever God asked Adam, did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? The implied answer is yes. God already knew the answer. God already knew that Adam had eaten of the tree before he asked that question. Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? Adam, where are you? I ran and hid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? He wasn't asking it for his own knowledge. He was trying to get Adam to confess. Well, in this story, he's trying to get to the bottom of what Satan is saying. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And the answer is yes. He already knew. Hey, where, where were you, Satan? Where where'd you come from? Going to and fro. All right, let's get down to the bottom of it. You were over at Job's house. You see? Where, you weren't just going to and fro, Satan. That was a very broad statement. I was asking you, where did you come from? I, before I began this conversation, I knew you were at Job's house. Where did you come from? I wanted to know where you, I wanted to see if you would tell me what was in your heart. You see? When God asks us questions, He's never really asking us where we were physically. He's always asking us where we are in our hearts. When God asks us questions, He's never asking us where we are physically. He's always asking us where we are in our hearts. What, where, you know, it's kind of like a, our relationship, you know, you know, the, the relationship eval, you know, where do we stand, you know, how, what's, let's take a thermometer check and check our pulse real quick. What is the status of our relationship? You know, like a dating, you know, people doing that dating relationship, you know. We got God does the same thing. When He asks us questions, it's always about the heart. Every single time, He always cuts to the heart. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. You know what He told? You know what He was doing right here? He was trying to prevent the devil from being ashamed. <laughs> he was trying to. Give the devil an op opportunity to not fall on his face. God knew the heart of the devil. And God knew the heart of Job. You see. Have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him on the earth? Blameless and upright who fears God and turns away from evil. In other words, I know you're considering him and I know that you're going to fail. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he will turn away from evil, Satan. There is none like him on the earth. He's starting to brag about him now. It's kind of like saying, you know, you know, my daddy can beat up your daddy, but the reverse, my son's better than your son at basketball, you know? That's what he was doing. He already knew that Satan was sizing up Job. And so therefore God was starting to size up Job to Satan. 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does God fear does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? And you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So it says right here that Satan's trying to tempt God to stretch out his hand against Job. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Now, if we read this... Can I get my pen over there? Sorry, my pen's on the... I think we've been reading this sometimes the wrong way. Again, I think that God is stating a fact. Behold... Thank you. Behold, all that he has is in your hand. You know? But then he does put a restriction on him, so this makes it sound like there's some permission going on here, right? Like he gave it to him. And I don't know, maybe there's something deeper inside here I don't understand. I'm not going to say I have perfect knowledge, okay? But I don't think that God gave him that stuff. I think that it already belonged to him. He was stating a fact. Behold, all that he has is, right now, in your hands. But then he did put he put a restriction on it. He said, but only against him do not stretch out your hand. So he put a restriction. I do find that to be very interesting. Only against him do not touch him, right? So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, I find that interesting. Every other time in the Bible, whenever, uh, whenever someone left the presence of God, it says that Adam and Eve, that they left the presence of God after they sinned. When Job stopped following God, it says he ran from the presence of the Lord. So, I believe that Anytime we are not in the presence of God, we're also not in the will of God. <laughs> so right here, it says, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I believe, I, I don't believe it was the will of God for Satan to go after Job. You understand? But if we understand authority, that God gave man authority, and we understand that Man gave Satan dominion because he became a slave of him who he, whom he obeys. Then we understand that God, if God is a just God and he does not violate his own word ever, he never, never violates his word, then he cannot go against what man did. Man made Satan his ruler. So therefore God cannot go against what man said when God gave man authority on the earth, you see. Like if I sell you a car and you decide to go and sell it to somebody else, I can't stop you, you see. So everything that was Adam's now is Satan's, okay. And we even, uh, let's hold our finger here, we'll go over here to, to Luke chapter 4. Don't lose your place in Job though.
Can I get my phone over there too, dude? Huh? You're awesome. Sorry. I got to look up some scriptures here. So it says right here, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Thank you. Verse 4, four verse, chapter 4, verse 4, that Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But verse 5, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority in their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to him whom I will. So right here, the devil is talking and revealing some things about himself, that he has been given all the kingdoms. They are under the power of Satan. So I'm not just taking the scripture in Job and pulling it out of my rear and saying um, that, well, all that he has is in your hands. No, this is something that's back throughout the whole of scripture. It's not just one scripture that says it. Um, you can go over here to First uh, John chapter 5, I think, right? Verse 19. And we know that we are from God, and the world, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Another, another scripture, another translation literally says, the whole world lies, is the, the, the whole world is under the control of the devil. 1 John 5, 19. 1 John 5, 19. So we see here, now this is the gospel, of, this isn't, now, the reason why I'm coming up with another passage here is because, you know, the devil, listen, God, the devil doesn't want us to know the truth, okay? So over in Job, it makes it look like God gave him that authority, uh, you know, and, and you know what, even if he did, let's just say even if he did, well, it's a legal matter, right? And then the devil was rogue, just like Adam was rogue, Right? The difference between Adam and the devil is that Adam died. Adam could die and the devil can't. So let me, let me restate this. Let's just say, let's, let's, let's stop for a second. Let's revamp a couple things. Let's just say that God did give the devil some authority, which I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. Like, there's no, I don't see a beginning point where God um, said, all the earth I now give to the devil. There's no scripture that, 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 there's not a starting point like that. Does that make sense? Now we do see a point where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, right? And we do know that Satan's on the earth. But there is no point in scripture where we see that God, there was a moment in, this, in the biblical story that God gave the devil authority. There's no written account where God gave the devil authority. But we do know God gave man authority. That's in Genesis chapter, the first four books, first four chapters of Genesis. We know that God gave man authority over the, all of the earth, and we know that Romans says that you become a slave of Him whom you obey. So, just those two scripture verses show us that God gave man authority, and man gave his authority to the devil. You see, that that can be explained through scripture. There's biblical evidence for that. All right, so then you look in Job, and people will say, well, right there it says that God gave Job that authority. You know, well, all that he has is in your hands. But what if he was saying all that he has is in your hands because it already was in his hands? What if it was already in his hands? What if God didn't give it to him? What if he took it? Because God, because the devil is a thief. Right. We know the devil's a thief. But right here, 1 John 
says that we know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So then the big question is, how did he get that power? And I believe that it's because of man. I don't believe that God gave it to him. I think that Satan was a heavenly being. He was never destined for earth. He was never supposed to be on the earth. But he broke his boundaries. He broke his boundaries. And he came here. And deceived man. And man followed him. You see what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> but God can't go against something he set in place. And that thing he set in place was the authority of man. And when man said, okay, devil, you're in charge now, that's whenever we see a shifting of power. And God can't violate his word. So God has created a plan <clears throat> where he can redeem man from the power of the devil. That's Jesus. Okay? Which, again, that's why Job sees his Redeemer, you know? So powerful stuff. That's also why I believe that the devil was considering Job, because Job was a prophet. He wanted to shut him up. He wanted to get him to curse God. Why? It would benefit the devil for Job to curse God since he was a prophet and saw Jesus. See, that's the thing. People don't understand. I don't believe the book of Job is, is surrounded in so much mystery because it's such a powerful book to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So much mystery behind it. There's other passages that say, let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. So like I said, I don't like to use just one scripture verse to prove a point. I want to, use, I want to show a few scripture verses, you know. Now keep this in mind, a lot of people will say, well, look, I know the devil doesn't have any power. The de you know, God took care of that, took care of him on the cross. They'll say things like that. See, the devil doesn't have a bite. Okay, well then why are we still fighting him? You know what I mean? Like, if the devil's not real, why are we still casting demons out, you know? In the New Testament, after Jesus died, rose again, in the book of Acts. If the devil didn't have power on the earth, why are we still having to drive him out? You see what I'm saying? So I think that the understanding is, the misunderstanding is that, oh, the devil <clears throat> has no more presence anymore. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he still has dominion, but what we're supposed to do is advance the kingdom of God because where the kingdom of God is, the devil does not reign. But guess what? If the kingdom of God is not in that area, the devil is reigning. It's called kingdom advancement. That's why the Bible says we must go advance the kingdom. That's why the Bible says we must go preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? The Bible says that within us is the kingdom of God. So if, if a Christian is not on the scene, then the kingdom is not reigning and the devil is still reigning. That's the problem. But people think, oh, he just, you know, no, he's not breathed on him yet. The scripture says in Revelation that when he returns, that he will breathe with one breath and put an end to it all. But you understand that the breath comes from, you know, the breath is also symbol. Like the, the, the word ruach, when he breathed into man, said breathed into him, the breath of life, that word was ruach. It also means spirit. He breathed into Adam his spirit. <clears throat> Whenever John chapter, I think it's John chapter 19, and maybe um, chapter 20 or 21, but he comes into the room and he, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's when they were born again. That was their born again experience. Not in Acts. In Acts, it was their second experience. The book of John, we'll just go there right now. Heck. 
The book of John was their birth experience. <clears throat> John chapter 20, verse 19. That's why I get it mixed up all the time. John chapter 20, verse 19 is where it begins. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness of any, it is withheld. All right, so Jesus is breathing on them. So just like in Thessalonians 2, 8, verse 6, And you know that, it, that what is restraining him now, so that he may be re revealed in his time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who knows, only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Verse 8, And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deceptions for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion. That's very interesting. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So, God hands people over to the devil that won't submit. That's what it's talking about here. Whenever they wouldn't, when they wouldn't submit to the truth, then it says he just, that's when he sends the strong delusion. So they had a chance before this. You have to understand that. God isn't just like, just deceiving people, you know what I mean? Or sending people, sending a strong delusion just to lose people. These people already had a chance, but they loved wickedness and they did not love the truth. Okay? So that's why he sent it to them. <clears throat> All right. Very interesting. God, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's very clear in the scripture. Okay? But Job's not a prideful person. That's the, well, he might have had some pride. Who knows? If you study the whole book, you'll see that he does struggle with a little bit of pride. But God called him blameless. So it wasn't that God was resisting him. You see what I'm saying? It's very interesting. All right, so we're back over here in Job. <clears throat> We understand that the world is under the control of the devil. So God wasn't saying something new here. God wasn't giving him now authority over the earth. He was already having authority over the earth. And God was just, you know, all right, well, let's play ball. You know, it's already yours. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in his oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and he said, the oxen were plowing, donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep, and the servants consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet still speaking, there came another and, the son, and, and, son, and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his clothes and shaved his head and fell on the ground <clears throat> and worshipped. 
And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. All right, so that's interesting. The good Lord, you know, the people say, The good Lord giveth, and the good Lord taketh away. And they take it right from here, from Job. Now what's funny about this is Job did not have great theology. And we find this out later when God rebukes him. You've got to read the whole story of Job. Um, so, I question some things even that Job says, you know. I don't think he had perfect theology. He did resist evil and he was blameless in his ways, but he, I don't think he understood God. That's why God rebuked him. That's why he goes, I need an audience, he told God. So there were some things that he, I don't think he fully understood. But it says right here he didn't sin when he said this. Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. In other words, he's surrendering to, to God. You know what I mean? He's like, you know what? <clears throat> Chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of the God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them and presented himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Of course, again, we know the answer. Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walk, walking up and down on it. The Lord said to him, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth? blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Without reason. Well, the only reason why he did this was because Satan has authority. But there was no reason to come against Job. God wasn't judging Job. You see what I'm saying? There was no reason. The only reason was because Satan had authority. How could God allow it? How could God do it if it Otherwise, he'd be doing evil to the Lord. You see what I'm saying? I mean, otherwise, God would be doing evil to Satan. I mean, still messing up my wording. Even though, then God would be doing evil against Job. But he didn't do anything wrong because Satan had authority. You see what I'm saying? It's very interesting. He still holds fast in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then the Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. All that a man has, he will give for his skin. Okay, so first of all, let's go down the line here of oppression. And I'm going to tell you this. Everybody goes through this. Every person, who, especially, especially if you follow God, you're going to go through this. Your possessions number one thing God's going to attack you with. I mean, the devil's going to attack you with. I keep saying the wrong stuff. Number one thing, the first thing the devil's going to attack you with is your possessions, your wealth, your prosperity. Okay? Number one, he's either going to bless he's either going to give you a lot or he's going to take a lot. Whatever leads you to sin, that's what he's going to do. You see what I'm saying? The devil's intention is to derail your faith. There's only two reasons. That, everybody says everything happens for a reason. You're right. Everything does happen for a reason. Two reasons. To build your faith or destroy your faith. Those are the two reasons. There's only two reasons why things happen to you. Either to destroy your faith or to build your faith. Okay? Everything does happen for a reason. To either destroy your faith or to build your faith. All that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Again. He's in your hand. Only spare his life. 
Alright, so then he comes against his body. Okay? So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck down, struck Job with loathsome, uh, and it says that, verse 7, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which he, to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. And then his wife. All right. Possessions. Body. Those are the first two things he comes against. The third thing he comes against you with is your mind. This is the most trying portion of the trial. You're going to have possessions, then you're going to have a body, and you're going to have a mind. Now this oftentimes will come through relationships. The reason why the only time your mind can be affected is through words. What you hear. The counsel that you receive. So this is the next trial, and it goes for 40 chapters. Everything else that happened to him happened in one chapter. No, two chapters. Chapter 1 and chapter 2. The rest of the trial is against his mind. And it goes all the way to Job chapter... I'll, let's say, I'm going to say up until Elihu. Have you ever heard of Elihu? So for 30 chapters, almost nearly for 30, about 27 chapters, he's tormented in his mind. This is when he wrestles with his faith. He wrestles with his faith. Very important. This is the process of your trial. When, 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 the, when the scriptures say that, you know, you might be sifted, you know, these are the things you're going to go through every time. Your, your, your prosperity, your health, and then your, and then your mental, your thoughts. So right after he, he got his boils and whatnot, or his, his sores on his skin, then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not say with his lips. It's very interesting. But we know clearly that Satan sent it on him. We know clearly... It's not God's idea, but Job had a misunderstanding, I believe. You know. All right, so let's go on. There's only one person. Okay, there's Job has three friends. Okay, one of the guys' names is Eliphaz. It's going on YouTube. <laughs> Eliphaz. The other one is Bildad. And the third friend is Zophar. 
Now, there's another young man. His name's Elihu. Nobody ever talks about Elihu. <clears throat> now, we're going to pretty much skip the other three friends because they have nothing good to say. Okay? You should read the whole thing. Okay? But a lot of people quote the book of Job and they quote these three guys. I'm going to tell you right now, those are not good guys to quote. Huh? No, God was going to kill them. But he, God said, Job, will you go ahead and sacrifice and act as a priest on their behalf and sacrifice for their sin, for what the evil that they counseled Job with? So if you quote Job and you quote anything that they say, you better be careful about what you're saying. If you quote Job and you quote anything that these guys say, you may want to rethink what you're saying. You may want to rethink your quotes. Okay? Elihu. In fact, you might want to rethink what Job even said, because Job was in wrestling match with his thoughts. The only one that I would say you should listen to is this guy right here. God did not, God did not rebuke Elihu. God rebuked these three guys. And Elihu was very confident. So we're going to read Elihu. Okay? And then we're going to read God. Okay? Because if you really want to get the most out of Job, you should listen to Elihu and God. Okay? So there's, there, everybody wants to say something, but the only two people that were really saying good stuff was Elihu and, and the Lord. Then Job finally got his act together at the end. Okay? Why? Because he encountered, because he listened to Elihu. And by the way, God always speaks through people. You know that? I find it very interesting that, God, that Elihu spoke, and then right after Elihu, God spoke. And the reason why I believe that happened was because when Elihu talked to Job, Job got a revelation from God. It's very powerful stuff. God likes to use people to speak to his people. So these other three guys didn't have anything good to say, so we're going to skip all that they say. And we're going to go right... To Elihu. I think we're in chapter 32. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. So that's interesting. Because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu, the son of Barashel, the Buzite, of the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. Ooh. All right, so we see some things here. He justified himself rather than God. Because what was, what was Job saying? I need an audience before God. That's what he was saying. I need an audience before God. I need to know why this stuff's happening to me. Okay? He burned with anger also at Job's three friends because they had found no answer, although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger. And Elihu, the son of Barakel the Buzite, answered and said, I am young in years and you are aged. Therefore I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let days speak and many years teach wisdom. But it is the spirit, but it is the spirit of man, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. You saw that, right? Again, Ruach comes right there. Did you see that? The spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. 
It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right. Therefore I say, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I listened for your wise sayings while you stretched out what to say, searched out what to say. I gave you my attention, and behold, there was none among you who refuted Job or who answered his words. Beware lest you say, we have found wisdom. God may vanquish him, not a man. He has not directed his words against me, and I will not answer with him with your speeches. They are dismayed. They answer no more. They have no word to say. And shall I wait because they do not speak? Because they say there, they stand there and answer no more? I also will answer with my share. I also will declare my opinion, for I am full of words, we can tell. <laughs> and the spirit within me constrains me. Oh, I like that, man. Behold, my belly is like wine that has no vent, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak that I may find relief. <laughs> I must open my lips and answer. I will not show partiality to any man or use flattery toward any person. For I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. But now hear my speech, O Job, and listen to all my words. Behold, I open my mouth. The tongue of my in my mouth speaks. My words declare. You have to understand this is poetry, so it's a little bit wordy. All right? So I get to the point, Elihu, but it's poetry, so we're just going to keep on reading. My words declare the uprightness of my heart. Uh, so, like, it sounds arrogant, but it's very interesting. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the words, my words, verse, verse 3, my words declare the uprightness of my heart, and my lips know they speak sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Answer me if you can. Set your words in order before me. Take your stand. Behold, I am toward God as you are. I too was pinched off from a piece of clay. Behold, no fear of me need terrify you. My, pr my pressure will not be heavy upon you. Surely you have spoken in my ears, and I have heard the sound of your words. You say, I'm pure without transgression. I'm clean, and there's no iniquity in me. Behold, he finds occasions against me. I mean, he counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and watches all my paths. He's quoting Job. Behold, in this you are not right. I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend against him, saying, He will not answer one of man's words? Watch this. He will not answer. He will answer none of man's words. In other words, God doesn't care to have an audience with me. He doesn't want to talk back to me. He doesn't want to answer my questions. That's what Elihu's rebuking Job. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. In other words, God's always speaking, but God, the people don't always hear. Pay attention. Okay? In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and terrifies them with warnings that they may turn aside, turn man aside from his deed and conceal pride from a man. He keeps back his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Man is also rebuked with pain on his bed and with continual strife in his bones, so that his life loathes bread and his appetite the choicest food. His flesh is so wasted away that it cannot be seen in his bones that they were not, uh, uh, not seen stick out. My soul draws near the pit in his life to those who bring death. If there be for him an angel, watch this, a mediator, one of the thousand, to declare to man what is right for him. Sounds like Jesus, right? Sounds like a heavenly being. And he is merciful to him and says, Deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. A ransom? Hmm. Again, we have some Jesus moments here. Let his flesh become flesh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then man prays to God and he accepts him. Why? Because of the ransom. See Elihu? Elihu's a prophet. 
<laughs> he gives them a ransom that men pray to God and he accepts him. So good. He sees his faith with a shout of joy and he restores to man his righteousness. Whoa! He restores to man his righteousness. Elihu. Man, this boy right here, he's got something, huh? He sings before men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, and it was not repaid me. So there comes a point where Elihu's talking about, look, we've sinned. We have. Everyone has. But God has a ransom. And when God does not pay us back for our sin, that's called mercy. And we should just be thankful. So he's coming up with a different understanding here. Like, look, dude, you do deserve to perish because of your sin. But God's been merciful to you. And he hasn't given you what you deserve. You see? He has redeemed my soul from going down in the pit. My life shall look upon the light. Behold, God does all these things twice, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be lighted with the light of life. And that light was the light of man. John chapter 1. Pay attention, O Job. Listen to me. Be silent and I will speak. If you have any words, answer me. Speak for I desire to justify you. I have not. Listen to me. Be silent. I will teach you wisdom. Then Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men. Give ear to me, you who know. <clears throat> for the ear tests words and the palates taste food. Let us choose what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am in the right. And God has taken away my right. In spite of my right, I have counted a liar. My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. What man is like Job, who drinks up scoffing like water? Who travels in company with evildoers and walks with wicked men? For he has said it profits a man nothing to be that he should be take delight in God. So you see that Job has said some things that were not good. Yeah. Everybody puts Job on a pedestal, like makes him perfect. Elihu puts him in his place. We should be listening to Elihu. <laughs> Elihu didn't get rebuked by God. He was the only guy who said anything good. If you want to know truth, listen to Elihu. So he's rebuking Job. For according to the work of man, he will repay. Where are we at? For he said, it profits man nothing that he should take the light in God. Verse 10, that's what Job said, right? So Elihu's quoting Job. Verse 10, Therefore hear me, you men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness. Oh my goodness. Elihu, I think you got something deeper than the whole book of Job said. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should do wrong. For according to the work of a man, he will repay him. And according to his ways, he will make it befall him. Of a truth, God will not do wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. He will not pervert justice. It doesn't matter what you see right now, Job. You need to understand one truth, and that is God does not pervert justice. So what you're experiencing right now, if you don't deserve it, it's not from God. If you do deserve it, it is from God. And maybe it is from God. You see, that's what Elihu's telling him. God will not pervert justice. Let's go back to the character of God. He will not pervert justice. You see? Elihu's defending God. Who gave him charge over the earth? Who laid on him the whole world? Nobody. If he should... <clears throat> set his heart to, do, to it and gathered to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. If you have, if you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I say. Shall one who hates justice govern? 
Who will you condemn him who is righteous and mighty? Who says to a king, worthless one, to nobles, wicked man? Who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor? For they are all the work of his hands. In a moment they die at midnight, and the people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away by no human hand. For his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves. For God has no need to consider a man further, that he should go before God in judgment. He shatters the mighty without investigation and sets others in their place. Thus, knowing their works, he overturns them in the night, and they are crushed. He strikes them for their wickedness in a place for all to see, because they turn aside from following him and have no regard for any of his ways, so that they cause the cry of the poor to come to him, and he heard the cry of the afflicted. When he is quiet, who can condemn? And when he hides his face, who can behold him, whether it is a nation or a man? That a godless man should not reign, that he should not ensnare the people. For has anyone said to God, I have borne punishment, I will not offend any more. Teach me what I, what, what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. <clears throat> well, will he then make re repayment to suit you, because you reject it? For you must choose, and not I. Declare, for, therefore declare what you know. Men of understanding will say to me, and the wise man who hears me will say, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without insight. Would that Job were tried to the end, because he answers like wicked men? For he adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. And Elihu answered and said, Do you think that this is to be just? One second. Do you think this to be just? Do you say, It's my right before God that you ask? What advantage have I? Have I? How am I better off than if I had sinned? He's like, you're an idiot, right? <laughs> I answer you and your friends with you. Look at the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than you. If you have sinned, what do you accomplish against him? And if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you're righteous, what do you give to him? And what does he perceive from your hand? Your wickedness concerns a man like yourself, and your righteousness a son of man. Because of the multitude of oppressions, people cry out. They call for help because of the arm of the mighty. But none says, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? Who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? There they cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God does not hear an empty cry, nor does the Almighty regard it. But how much less when you say that you do not see him, that the, that the case is before him, and you are awaiting him. You're waiting for him. In other words, he is going to get your case, Job. He's going to defend your cause if, you're, if you are righteous. And now because his anger does not punish, and he does not take much note of transgression, Job opens his mouth in empty talk. He multiplies words without knowledge. And Elihu continued and said, Bear with me a little, <laughs> and I will show you, for I have yet something to say on God's behalf. I will get my knowledge from afar and ascribe righteousness to my Maker, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. <laughs> oh, man. Behold, God is mighty and does not despise any. He is mighty in strength and understanding. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their right. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but with the kings on the throne, he sets them forever and they are exalted. And if they are bound in chains and caught in the cords of affliction, then he declares to them their work and their transgressions, that they are behaving arrogantly. He opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from iniquity. Verse 11, if they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. But if they do not listen... They perish by the sword and die without knowledge. The godless in heart cherish anger. They do not cry for help. Ooh, that's good. 
the godless in heart cherish anger. And they do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth, and their life ends among the cult prostitutes. He delivers the afflicted by their affliction, and opens their ear by adversity. He also allured you out of distress into a broad place where there was no cramping, and what was yet what was set on your table was full of fatness. But you are full of the judgment on the wicked. Judgment and justice seize you. Beware, lest wrath entice you into scoffing, and let not the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. Oh, wow, that's like cheap grace. Will you cry for help avail to, to, to keep you from distress or all, or all the force of your strength? Do not long for the night when people vanish in their place. Take care. Do not turn into iniquity. For this you have chosen rather than affliction. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Ah, oh, so good. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed for him his way? Or who can say, you have done wrong? Remember, to extol his work in which men have sung. All mankind has looked on to it. Man beholds it from afar. Behold, God is great. He, we know him not, and the number of his years is unsearchable. For he draws up the, dro the drops of waters, and they distill his midst in the, in the rain, which the, strikes, which, which the skies pour down and drop on the mankind abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thunderings of his pavilion? Oh, that's so good. Behold, he scatters his lightning about him and covers the roots of the sea. For by these he, he judges peoples, he gives food in abundance. He covers. So you understand that, that he keeps talking about how God is a just God, and that he's a generous God. And that he's a forgiving God. All that Elihu can even talk about is God's good character. And that judging sin is part of that. You know? Very interesting. At this, verse 37, verse 1. At this, also my heart trembles and leaps out of his place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. So I'm going I'm to skip through some things, okay? Alright, so now... At, so he talks for another chapter. We're going to skip that chapter, okay? But... It's very important to take some things away from what Elihu said. The next thing we need to take from is what God said. And what God had to say was a big old slap in the face, right? <laughs> I love what Job had. This is the most humbling passage in the whole Bible. Okay, maybe. Then Job said, then, then it says, then the, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this? that darkens counsel by words without knowledge. Dress for action like a man. In other words, put your dukes up. <laughs> Get ready. Gird up your loins. I think it's one, one. Yeah, gird up your loins. That means put on, put on a jock strap so you don't get racked. And we're about to go. We're about to fight. Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched a line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the seas with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, then prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, or caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the sea. 
of the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is the place of darkness, that you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then, and the numbers of your days are great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on a land where no man is, on a desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? Or whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings, that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wind, wisdom in the windward parts of, 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 or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Or who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Do you know know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you number the mouths of the months of they, that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth, when they crouch, bring forth their offspring, and are delivered of their young? Their young ones become strong. They grow up in the open. They go out and do not return to them. Who has let the wild donkey go free? And who has loosed the bonds of the swift donkey? To whom have I given the arid plain for his home and the salt land for his dwelling place? He scorns the tumult of the city. He hears not the shouts of the driver. He ranges the mountains as his pasture and he searches after every green thing. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend the night at your manger? Can you, can you bind him in the furrow with ropes? Or will he, uh, he, will he harrow the valleys after you? What does your passage say in verse 9, the wild ox? What does your say? Well, the wild ox can consent to being tamed. Okay, I was thinking of something else. It must be somewhere else. So, um, do you have? Watch this. Will you depend on him because he's strength? Okay. Can you bind him in the furrow with ropes, or will he harrow the valleys after you? Will you depend on him because his Strength is great, and will you leave to him your labor? Do you have faith in him that he will return your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? I don't think he's talking about a wild ox. I don't think he's talking about an ox that we're thinking of. See, you have to keep in mind that this is before the flood. So there's some pretty big animals, right? Yeah, it also says, uh, will it stand the night in assault? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
The wings of the ostrich have proud, wave proudly, but are they the pinions and plumage of love? For she leaves her eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and the wild beast may trample them. She deals cruelly with her young as if they were not hers, not their, though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear because God has made her forget wisdom. <laughs> and given her no share in understanding. When she rouses herself to flee, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horses his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make his, him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley and exults in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. Upon him rattle the quiver, the flashing spear, and the javelin. With, pierce, with fierceness and rage he swallows the ground. He cannot stand still at the sound of the trumpet. When the trumpet sounds, he says, Aha! He smells the battle from afar and the thunder of the captains and the shouting. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars and spread his wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? On the rock he dwells and makes his home, on the rocky crag and stronghold, for there he spies out the prey, his eyes behold it from far away, his young ones suck up blood and where the slain are, there, he is, there is he. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? <laughs> Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer. <clears throat> then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Dress your for action like a man. <laughs> I will question you and you make it known to me. Will you even put will you even put me in the wrong? Will you commend will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God, and can you thunder with a voice like His? Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the outflowings of your anger, and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud, and bring him low, and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then will I also acknowledge to you that your own right hand can save you. Behold, behemoth, which is like a giant animal, okay? Which I have made, which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength in his loins, he had giant legs, and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword. For the mountains yield food for him, where all the wild beasts play. Under the lotus plants he lies, in the shelter of the reeds and the marsh. For his shade the lotus trees cover him, the willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. He is confident, though Jordan rushes against his mouth. Can one take him by his eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Can you draw Leviathan, which is a sea dragon? Can you draw out Leviathan? All right. A lot of people think it's Satan, okay? <clears throat> Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue? But some people also believe Leviathan was a... He was a sea animal, a sea creature, a dragon. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, according to some Jewish writings, um, he was he was he might have come around in the flood, like part of the flood. Okay. Can you put a rope? Can you draw Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make any many? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of a man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole earth, heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who would come near him with a bridle? Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth is terror. His back is made of rows of shields shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezes flash forth light. His eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils come forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame comes forth from his mouth. <clears throat> In his neck abides strength and terror dances before him. The folds of his neck stick together, firmly cast on him and immovable. His heart is hard as a stone, hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. At the crashing, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail. Well, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee for him. Sling stones are turned to stubble. Clubs are counted as stubble. He, he laughs at the rattle of javelins. His underparts are like sharp pots, pots herds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him, he leaves a shining wake. One, who th one would think the deep to be white-haired. Because he's like when he moves to the ocean, like it's like a giant boat going through and creating all these wakes. On earth there is none like him, a creature without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust as ashes. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. 
Now therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves, and my servant Job shall, pay, shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer, not to deal with you according to your folly, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temnite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayers. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and covered him for all the evil. It says right here, all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter, Jemimai, the name of the second, and so on. And in the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years after this, and saw his sons and his sons' sons four generations. And Job died an old man full of days. So, one, one of the big things we must take away. First of all, God is good, period. God is just. God will, will, will punish sin. Okay? <clears throat> God is a forgiving God. And He makes plans for redemption. Very important. So, um, I think the biggest thing to understand too is that that even this book was written. He said, "Oh, that my words would be written in the book." Job said that. And I think the reason why the devil was trying to get Job so bad was because he knew that Job would be prophesying about a redeemer. You know, so. God redeemed him. You know? I find it very interesting. The moral of the story isn't all about what God, what all the evil God did to him. It's all about all the, God, all the good God had intended for him. You see? And all Job had to do was stay faithful. Remain faithful and humble himself. The Bible says that when he humbled himself, when he responded properly, it's all about humility. You humble yourself. And that's why, you know, even the things we go through in our life, no, God might not have sent those things on us. But if we'll humble ourselves in those things, God will even turn those things around for our good. Hey, thank you for watching and listening to this channel. Be sure to hit the like button and share it to your friends. And subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. And if you haven't yet, go visit our website at bombszs.com. We have a lot of content there and a lot of things wow. for you that are absolutely free. So be sure to utilize us as much as possible. We hope that you were blessed by this message. Till next time, have a blessed day.